One of the important gifts that distinguish man from all other aspects of God's creation. What is that? <laughs> what is it? What comes to mind? What comes to mind? Speech, the power of speech. Articulate speech, the ability to speak articulately is one thing that distinguishes man from everything else that God has made on this earth. So what about angels? Talking about this earth. Hallelujah. They come, but they are not legal occupants. The angels ascend and descend. Hallelujah. But of the physical beings that the Lord God has made, one of the most important features is what? Speech. The power of speech. So that with the power of speech, you can create. Hallelujah. Like the Father created. He said, let us, let us make man. And this is also important when it comes to prayer. Hallelujah. When it comes to prayer. Amen. And um, that's why beyond thinking the prayer, it's good to say. Jesus said, if you say, 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 say. He said, if you think, think, think. If you say, say, say. Hallelujah. What you say is more important. Hallelujah. So it's a very important thing. You know, let's take two people. And then let's say that one person has um, maybe six houses, okay? And then they are spread across the globe, or, and then maybe he just visits this one, holidays here, holidays there, and all that. And um, another person doesn't have a house, okay? The other person doesn't have a house, and um, is looking for a house. And this other person has six houses or seven or whatever it is. Now, and this person who has six houses wants more. And this one that doesn't have a house wants one. Okay? Now, when it comes to... This is just a... I'm just using this as an, an example. Okay? So, don't analyze the example too much. But when it comes to these two people praying, okay? Which one do you think that... Let's put it this way. God will answer. Yeah? Just say it, like I'm like just say it, don't worry. Your name is not being recorded as the one who gave the wrong answer. So just say it. Uh-huh. What do you think? What do you think? The one with what? <laughs> he says the one with more. But it uh? okay. I like I like what it it means that like, I've taught you well. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> it means that I've taught you well because it doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. What matters is that you go according to the prescribed pattern to get what you want. Hallelujah. Yeah. And then, what about, again, you also need to understand that it also doesn't matter whether what the person is asking for is good or not good. According to somebody's own like uh, definition of good, this may sound very like strange, but that's the fact. That's the fact. It doesn't necessarily doesn't matter that it meets your definition of good. That is what this person is asking for meets your definition of good. <laughs> Hallelujah! You need to understand. Jesus didn't say that he will have whatever is good. He said he will have whatever he says if he says and believes. Do you see the the key there? 
He didn't say that he will have whatever is good. It is taken for granted that being a child of God, whatever you are asking for is good. It's an abnormal kind of person that will be asking for something that is bad. Right? However, I want you to establish that it has nothing to do with whether it is good, it's a good thing, it's good for the community, it's good for the nation, it's good for the church, or it's good for you. It doesn't really come in. Hallelujah. Are you with me? It doesn't really come in. It doesn't matter whether what the person is asking for has, like, is for the communal good. That's not the basis on which prayer is answered. Prayer is not answered on the basis of goodness or the basis of like whether what you are asking for is for the common good or not. Hallelujah. Glory to God. It's, it's a very important thing because sometimes the people may expect answers because of the wrong thing. But it doesn't matter. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Once I went to minister to somebody, I was um, admit the person as a patient as in, in the hospital, and this person could not walk. So, um, and it started from a certain point where she finally was um, wheelchair bound. She was bound in the wheelchair. So, one, um, I took where their address was from the her care um, giver. The person would usually bring her to the hospital. And one day, I, I had a, the the edge or the to go to the house okay to go to the house and minister to her so i went there and then um i went to visit her so but the plan was simple i wasn't going to stay there forever i was just coming in speak the word and then get her out of the out of the, the wheelchair that was the plan but when i got in and um after i said hello she decided like said before i say anything um, she, has to, she has to tell me like the whole story. Okay? She wanted to tell me the genesis of the whole problem. And um, she wanted to tell me that. So, so I sat there quietly and she told me for about one hour. So she told me all the story and the meetings that she had gone to and when she went to the meetings, what happened and everything. And by the time she finished, I don't think I even prayed. I left. Yeah. I, I, I didn't leave like in anger, but like w- there was nothing left to do. Do you get what I'm talking about? And then she said something. So not only was she like afflicted with one sickness, she was also being afflicted with multiple ailments. She was multiple ailment, ailments. And then she said, she was telling God to ask for this one. God should give that sickness to somebody else because she had had um, like, she had suffered enough. I just listened and left. But you see, the thinking was wrong. The thinking was wrong because it's not like, so that you've had five diseases doesn't mean you can't get a sixth and a seventh and an eighth. Do you get it? Yeah, there is not based on that premise. So. <laughs> and the devil doesn't say, oh, this one has suffered enough. <laughs> okay, this one, tell the demons, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. Half time, half time. Like, it's a wicked being. Jesus said it's a murderer from the beginning. So he's not going to say at any point that, oh, this person has cried enough. Let's go and find somebody else. No, once they found a willing subject, they're going to be at it for a long time. 
So you have to understand the principles of how you get things done according to the word. Praise the Lord. So I was talking about what? Speech. And then I was talking about the fact that it's not based on goodness, any kind of goodness. Whether the person's goodness, the, prayer, the person prays goodness or the goodness of whatever he's asking for, whatever it is. Because even, remember when Israel asked for a king? Was it a good thing? How many of you remember when Israel asked for a king? In First Samuel. Was it a good thing that they asked for? They went to Samuel and they said, we want to have a king like the other nations. So Samuel said, oh, why? Jehovah is your king. They said, yes, but we want a king that we can actually see. Jehovah is our king, but we want to see, the, the, we want to have a king that we can see. Who can lead us in our battles, they said. So is that okay? So the Bible says that the thing displeased Samuel. God was also displeased. And he said, Samuel, tell them what the king is going to do to them. The king will take your sons and make them officers in his army. He will send them to go and fight. Some of them will die. The king is going to take your land. The king is going to tax you people. The king is going to take your daughters and make them work on his farms. They said, it's okay. We want a king. So did God give them a king? God gave them a king, even though it was not a good thing. Do you understand that? Are you flowing with me? So it doesn't, it had nothing to do with whether it was a good request or was a bad request. Hallelujah. Yeah. They believed for it and they received it. Hallelujah. So this is an important aspect of what we, we, are, we are dealing with because we want to get results. Hallelujah. We want to get results. It's not about like, um, so we, we have to approach it the right way to get results. Amen. It's like um, somebody has had something wheeled over to them and um, they have inherited an estate and the estate is bringing them, paying them some money and they have the check, whatever. They can sign the check. They have a wife. They can sign the check to buy a house for a side check. They can, they can do whatever. The checkbook will not say, hey, what are you writing here? <laughs> do you see that? <laughs> Hallelujah. The checkbook will say, hey, stop it. Hallelujah. Yeah, because the person has the authority and is going through the process. Someone else may mean well, but if he doesn't fill the checkbook according to how it's supposed to be filled, that check will not be honest. But the other guy who's using it to chase women or buy drugs or whatever, he says, okay, I have this shipment of cocaine that is crossing the U.S.-Mexico border and I have to pay the couriers, okay, any signing checks to pay the couriers. Once he meets the requirements, the check will be honest. True or false? Exactly. Hallelujah. So, when it comes to getting answers to prayer, that's why I said, I said it's about how you come. It's not about what you are asking for. It's what you, how you are coming. Hallelujah. How you are coming. That is a key thing there. How you come matters more than what you are coming for. Hallelujah. Amen. Yeah. Don't you, aren't there cases where somebody was a minister and then after they had left office, they went and found him that, hey, we're doing all these things, but <laughs> we're not supposed to do it, but he had authority, so he was using it. He was like suffering the money, he was doing all kinds of things. And they found out later. So later when they found out, then they subjected the person to judgment. Is that what was? Exactly. He gave an account. But while he's operating, he had the ability to operate. So as long as the lease on this earth still remains, man has authority. Hallelujah. Are you with me? 
It's an important thing. So, because sometimes you may think that because what you are asking for is good, that is why it should be answered. It has nothing to do with that. Jesus said that whosoever, he said, what things soever you desire. So, last we talked about desire, isn't it? He said, when you pray, believe that you receive and you will have them. Glory to God. You will have them. This was what distinguished the older son from the younger son. The Bible says that the man had two sons. And then one day, the younger son came to the father and said, Give me the portion of goods that is mine. And the father, the Bible says, if you read that account, if you read it, when you go look for it and read it, read it. It says that, and the man divided his goods between the two of them. That's what the Bible says. It says he divided the goods between the two. He didn't just give to the younger one and leave them. He divided the goods between the two. The Bible says then that the younger one took his and went to a far away place and then squandered it. When he got hungry, the Bible says that he said, mm, even in my father's house, there's a lot of food. Even the servants have a good place to sleep and they have food. So what am I doing here? The Bible doesn't say that when he realized that what he had done was wrong, that maybe he got up and said, oh, this is a very bad thing I did. How could I have done that to my father? That wasn't his motivation at all. The Bible says that he was hungry. The only thing that moved him was his hunger. And so now he said, oh, if I go back, I have to have a story. So what am I going to say? He said, I'll say that, Father, I've sinned. I've sinned against heaven and I've sinned against you also. That was the, just to give him access into the place so that he can get some food. It, had nothing, it was not like um, he had missed his daddy or whatever. You, if you read that, you realize that the man wanted to come and eat. So he came. So that was his movement. That was his motivation. Okay? That was his motivation. So he came to the house and the father, he, any reason for which he came was fine to the father. The father had missed his son. So he came, hugged him, kissed him, put a new robe on him, put a ring on his finger, put sandals on his feet, and restored him. And then they killed the fatted calf. The Bible says when they killed the fatted calf and threw a party, his older brother had gone to work on the farm. Now, if the man divided his goods between the two and gave the younger one his share, who owned what was left? Do you agree? The older brother, maybe we should actually find this out. You actually know that what I'm saying is in the Bible. Hallelujah. Yes. Mm. So, let's go to Luke chapter 15. <clears throat> Luke chapter 15, verse 11. And he said, A certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. Did you see that? And he divided unto them his living. This is what the Bible is saying. He divided unto them his living. Some people think that the, the younger man just, like, he just got something and left. And the older, they say that he divided unto them his living. It's in the Bible. Luke chapter 15, verse 12. Okay? Yeah. It says that, Verse 12 in the God's word says that the younger said to his son, said to his father, this is God's word translation, Father, give me my share of the property. So the father divided his property between his two sons. Hallelujah. 
So then when he came and they threw the party and the older brother was coming, he said, hey, what sound is that? They said, it's a party. He said, what is happening? He said, your younger brother is back. The Bible says, he said he wouldn't come to the house. So the father went and said, please come. He said, no, I'm not coming. He said, he said this many years I have saved you. Look at this. <laughs> he didn't even say father. He said, no. <laughs> you see what had happened? He had become very bitter. He said, no. This many years I have saved you. You have not even given me a little goat to enjoy it, my friends. But this is your son. This is your son that has gone to blow your money on halots. When he came back, you have killed a fatted calf for him and thrown a party. Look at the father's response. The father said, son, you are always with me. That's not all. He said, and all that I have is yours. Why would the father tell him all I have is yours? Because it was his, right? He says he divided the goods between the two. So what was there belonged to the guy. So the father was saying that, ah, it's not my fault if you have not taken a goat because all that I have now is yours. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Yeah, so you will see the point that we are talking about. Amen. Now when it comes to getting the job done in prayer, you have to know how to pray. Okay? It's one of the most important life skills that you should have as a Christian. Knowing how to pray. Okay? Knowing how to pray. So the other day, I went for a meeting. So the meeting was in an open field. And then um, suddenly the clouds gathered and it started to drizzle. So then the minister said, even if it starts raining, don't go. Okay? But I didn't want to be beaten by the rain. So I realized that he was going to stop the rain. So I said, Lord, this is not a farm. This is not a potato farm, a corn farm, or any such thing. We are here to pray. So we actually don't need the rain now. So let the rain stop. And so the rain stopped for the rest of the meeting. Because I didn't want to be beaten by the rain. For all these years we've met like at the University of Ghana, we've met in the rainy season, we've met throughout the week. There has never been one time where I was physically present there and then rain and beat us. Do you know that? Yeah. We could be in the rain for Jesus, but that's, we can also not be in the rain for Jesus. But that does not affect like your prayer. Hallelujah. That, like, we are coming to pray. Amen. Being beaten by the rain will not make our prayer, like, you know, um, we won't add anything to our prayer. Hallelujah. So, glory to God. So, there are a lot of things that we we'll try to tack on to the, to the prayer, okay? And which are not necessary. Hallelujah. Your tone of voice also doesn't matter. Whether it's alto, soprano, bass, whatever it is, it has nothing to say. And you can also be mimicking somebody, it also doesn't matter. Hallelujah. You can mimic all you want, but if you are not praying according to the word, you won't get the results. If you look at the prayers that God results in the scriptures, they were simple. They were simple, they were not complicated. Hallelujah. They were simple, prayed by people who knew what they were about. Glory to God. And they stood there and they reminded God of what he had said. They brought the word. Hallelujah. They brought the word. And every time you see that Jesus Christ, in another um, narration of what happened to the fig tree, he said that 
I say unto you that if you have faith as the grain of mustard seed, you will say to this sycamine tree, be plucked up by the root, right? And be cast to yonder place. He said, and it should obey you. It should obey you. He said, if you have faith. So every time. And then when he came from the mountain, Jesus came from the, the mountain of transfiguration. He had been up there with um, Peter, James, and John. Remember Peter, James, and John? And then the Bible says that as he prayed, what happened? He was transfigured in front of their eyes. He was transfigured. He began to shine. His face was radiant. His clothing was shining like the sun. And then after the encounter, God spoke and said, This is my beloved son. Hear ye him. So they came. He said, Hear ye him because Peter has said that now we've seen Moses and we've seen Elijah. So let's build a tabernacle here so that Moses can sleep in one, Jesus will sleep in one, and Elijah will sleep in one. And God said, Hey, the guy you're supposed to listen to is my son. Forget Moses, forget Elijah. Their time is past. Now, it's a God who has sundry times spoke to us by the prophets, has in this last day spoken to us by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, and by whom also he made the world. You see that, as Hebrews chapter 1. So it's telling you that Jesus, God was saying that now the person to listen to is my son. Forget about Moses and Elijah and all these people. Hallelujah. These are the days of Elijah. They are not the days of Elijah. These are the days of Moses or any said body. Hallelujah. These are the days of Jesus the Christ. Hallelujah. So it's a totally different dispensation. Amen. There are some things we sing and they, they, don't, they are meaningless. New Testament wise. Hallelujah. Elijah longed to see this day. Moses longed to see this day. It says, it says that when they prophesied, they wondered what or what manner of time the Spirit of God signified when he testified of, the, the, of, of the, the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. And he says that, and the Spirit of God told them that they were not prophesying about themselves, but they were talking about us. These guys long to see this day. Don't be corrupting the thing. Like, these are not the days of Elijah, Moses, or any of those people. This is our day. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The days of his Christ. Glory to God. So, that's, so then they came down the mountain. When they came down the mountain and they got to the foot of the mountain. The Bible says that the people, when they saw Jesus, they ran to him. And there was a commotion. So Jesus said, hey, what's happening here? There was a commotion. And the man said, he brought his son to the disciples. Okay, Bartholomew, Matthew, Judas, Iscariot, and all of them. He said, he brought his son because his son was being tormented by the devil so that they could cast the demon out. But then he said, they could not. They could not. What does could not mean? It means you try do you see that? It means they tried. Now, what happened? The man said, Jesus said, Oh, you perverse generation, except you see signs you don't believe. And then the man said, What? <laughs> he told Jesus that if you can do something, help, <laughs> you know, like, Jesus said, If you can, he said, All things are possible to all who believes. The guy said, I believe, help my unbelief. But the crowd, the crowd was amazed. So the crowd ran towards Jesus. They had an expectation. That guy didn't have the man who was confused. He said, I believe, help my unbelief. The disciples definitely didn't have faith for this job because they couldn't get it done. And Jesus said that if you have faith, all things are possible. So what happened? When the crowd began to move, the crowd, they had an expectation. So that mass faith triggered something. The Bible says that Jesus rebuked the devil. It came out of him. He said, Come out and don't enter him anymore forever. Threw the child down, the child convulsed, and they said the child was dead. Then Jesus picked up the child and gave the child back to the father. Now, 
What happened afterward? What did the disciples go and ask Jesus? They said, how come we couldn't cast him out? Do you remember? Why would they be asking him that question? Now, if you were trying to operate some piece of machinery and then you, you couldn't get it operational and someone came and got it started. If the person came and did something you hadn't done, you say, oh, okay, so this is what I should have done. Is that not so? But if the person came and did the exact same thing you did and the thing started working, you ask, how come I couldn't get this job done? So the same thing that Jesus Christ told the demon come out was what the disciples had tried to do. Do you see that? That's what the disciples have tried to do. Come out and don't enter him anymore because they have seen Jesus do that. So that was exactly what they did. And the demon would throw the boy and then they would do like many prayer meetings do. Hey, come out, come out, hey. Do you get what is happening? Yeah. So now you've switched, you've switched into unbelief. But when the demon did that, Jesus wasn't moved. Do you see that? He issued a command and he knew that there was no way that demon would not come out. Hallelujah. Yes. Haven't you been? That's something that's what prolongs the deliverance sessions because as the person is spinning and like and doing all kinds of things, they say, they say, hey, 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 pray. And then everybody will be clap, clap, hey, clap, hey, you are going, you are going, you are going. One hour and they're still not gone. Because the demon was going to go. And then the other one said, wait, 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 wait. These chaps, no, they don't know, they don't know what they're about. So they said, hold on tight. Just hold on tight. <laughs> they're going to give up. Just hold on tight. Hallelujah. Glory to God. This was not my plan for the evening. Anyway, hallelujah. I remember, like, I had a similar experience before. So I said, come on. And the demon said, I will not go. So I said, you will go in the name of Jesus. But after about three minutes, I said, wait, 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 wait a minute. That's not how we usually get this job done. Because now he said, I won't go. And I was saying, you will go. I said, no, this, this, this is wrong. So I stopped it immediately. I said, I will see whether you go or not. In a few seconds, said, I will go, I will go. I said, of course, you go out. And the demon left. If I had continued this, you will go. You will say, I won't go. You will go. <laughs> Soon, you are no longer, it's a debate now. You are no longer casting out demons. Do you realize what I'm talking about? You are no longer casting out demons. You are now in a debate with the demon. You tell you, go the demon will say, even you, you're supposed to be fasting, you have eaten. I won't go. Then, now you are like, did he say that if you fast, you cast the demon? No. He said, they asked Jesus, how couldn't we get a job done? Jesus said, because of your unbelief. Some people say, but he said that this kind goeth not out by fasting and prayer. Some people like to find that odd, like, you know, like this there, and then try and build a castle on it, a sand castle. But Jesus said that. He said that because of your unbelief. That was it. Because I always say that if it's by, by fasting, then we should have a chart in the Bible. Type of demon, number of days to fast, whether it should be a dry fast or we should, you know, like it should be there. Hallelujah. 
And you don't find any example in the New Testament after Jesus resurrected of this kind of thing. Where it is like um, you have to fast cast out the demon. It's not true. Hallelujah. Yeah, so I can explain to you what Jesus meant, but that's not. The point is that in the New Testament, there's no such example. He said, in my name, they shall cast out devils. Jesus said, when they fast. Glory to God. So we are talking about belief. Jesus said that because of your unbelief. It means that if you believe, he said, all things are possible to him who believes. Hallelujah. All things are possible. And do you remember the conversation between Mary and the angel? Mary said that, how can this be seen? I don't know a man. He said, the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you. The power of the highest shall overshadow you. Now think about it. That you have a virgin, a 16-year-old or so virgin, who had never slept with any man. And then the angel is saying that you are going to conceive and have a child. And she says, how is this going to happen? He says that the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the highest shall overshadow you. Now, this was Mary in the Old Testament. Old Testament Mary. Why should a New Testament believer, married woman, be struggling to have a child? Are you following with me? Old Testament Mary. Old Testament Mary. He said, the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you. This Spirit that came upon Mary has come to reside in you. He said, and the power of the highest shall overshadow you. He said, therefore, that holy thing that shall be conceived shall be called the son of the highest. And you know, what did the Gabriel say to Mary? He said that, look, your cousin Elizabeth is six months with child. And she that was called barren has taken seed. And then he said something. He said that, for with God nothing shall be impossible. Actually, in the Greek, it is... For no rhema from God shall be without power of fulfillment. You see? He said, no rhema, no rhema that is spoken shall be without the ability to be fulfilled. That's what, that's what the word, when you read it in the Greek. He said, he said, hoti paratheos, like for, from God, okay? Okay? Upa rhema adonatus. Adonatus is like without power, okay? It's like there is no rhema from God. That is without power. That's actually what he said. So he's telling you that when the word of God comes, it will be fulfilled. Hallelujah. It will be fulfilled. This is the premise for praying. We are not praying just one at a time or something like that. Because we have been given a premise that when we come on this premise, he said that he shall have whatsoever. Whatever. Hallelujah. So this is important. And Jesus kept telling the people that, oh, if you have faith, if you have faith, if you have faith. Now, you need to understand that in the New Testament, you don't find that expression in the New Testament. So the title of my message today is, you don't need faith. Are you with me? You don't need faith. And what do I mean by you don't need faith? For example, if I say, like, who needs a wife? I don't expect that the married men will raise up their hands. Do you understand that? Yes. So when I say you don't need faith, what does that mean? You have faith. Without faith, you can't even be born again. The Bible calls us the household of faith. Glory to God. So in the New Testament, faith is not, is not a prerequisite anymore. Because faith has been dealt to every man. The measure has been given to every man. What you need is understanding of the word. To understand the word. That is what you require. Understanding. When you have understanding, you will operate it. Hallelujah. 
Are you with me? The people that Jesus was addressing were unbelievers. They were not born again also. Do you know that they were not born again? When you are reading the scriptures, you have to understand the context. And at that time, Jesus had not died. So nobody could be born again. Praise the Lord. So you have to tell them, if you have faith, if you have faith, if you have faith. After he died and resurrected, there's no more if you have faith. We are not told if we have faith. Hallelujah. There's a reference of mixing the word with faith. How can you mix with something you don't have? Glory to God. How can you mix it with something that you don't have? If you are preparing something and somebody says, add garlic. If you don't have garlic, you're going to, like, you know, it is taken for granted that you have garlic. Hallelujah. So it's telling you that you have it mixed with faith. You have it. Your faith. So that your faith will become effectual. But the acknowledging of every good thing. Your faith. So you have faith. Say, I have faith. faith. Say, I'm not looking for faith. Say, I'm not trying to get faith. Say, faith came. When the word came. Hallelujah. So when the word came to you that got you born again, you had all the faith you need. Glory to God. So now you are a member of the household. What is required is understanding. To know that this key opens this door, and this key opens this other door. And this is what I have to do in this area, and this is what I have to do in that area. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Yes. So it's like an access. Faith brought you into the house. Now you are in the house. So all you need to know is understand how everything Everything is answered. Glory to God. The moment understanding comes, it says the entrance of your word brings understanding. Are you following with me? What sometimes when understanding comes, it's like a switch. It just turns as a switch. And things have changed like that. Glory to God. And the faith that every time the word of God comes, it says faith comes. Look at this. Faith comes. Say faith comes. Faith comes. And how does faith come? And how does hearing come? By the way, by hearing the rhema. Hearing the rhema. That you, you, that's what they, actually what he said. By hearing the rhema. Otherwise, where they read stories, there should be a lot of faith. Where they read Bible stories, there should be a lot of faith. But you don't find a lot of faith where they read a lot of Bible stories. Why? Because they are reading logos. They are not reading rhema. Rhema is not being spoken. Rhema is when the word is quickened by the Spirit. Does that make sense? Do you understand? Yes. So, rhema. Rema is what brings faith. This Rema class, Rema is what brings faith. When the Rema comes, it's a natural byproduct. Faith is a natural byproduct of the word. Hallelujah. Sometimes you have people who, like, like Hagen will talk about instances, or even um, Joseph Prince talks about times where maybe he, 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 someone comes to him after the service and says, Pastor Prince, I want you to pray for me. He said, did you listen to the message? He said, no, I just came to be healed. The person didn't come to the church, the service, to listen to the word. He said, no, I just came to. How are you going to, like, do you get what is happening? You didn't hear. It's, it's by hearing the word. And it's the hearing of the word that imparts whatever is required. You don't have to try and get this from anywhere. Are you flowing with me? That's all. Now, when you are born again, I said that you are born again, faith came. All that you need now is understanding. Glory to God. All that you need is what? Understanding. And that's what happens. Like every time the word comes to you and like light has come on. And he said, no, no more. This thing, no more in the house. Hallelujah. You put an end to it. Say, Satan, you stop this. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Now when you are coming, Jesus, God said, come up boldly. Don't come timid. Don't come afraid. Don't come like as if you are a charity case. Come boldly. Hallelujah. 
come boldly. Now, when you come boldly, boldly means that I told you what righteousness is. I said that righteousness, number one, is the nature of God. I said that too, is the nature of God that is imparted to a man's spirit. Okay? That gives that man the ability to stand in the presence of Almighty God without a sense of guilt, inferiority, or condemnation. And I said that righteousness also is that nature of God that is imparted to a man's spirit that makes that man stand in the presence of Satan, demons, disease, or whatever as a master over them. Do you understand? It gives you the right to stand in front of God without a sense of guilt, inferiority, or condemnation. It's like Abraham. He says, Will you destroy the just with the unjust? Far be it from you to do such evil. Won't the judge of all the earth do right? That's Abraham having a conversation with God. Do you see that? It's without a sense of guilt. This was this Abraham who had lied about his wife twice. But that didn't like, um, affect him. He said, you know, I can't speak. No, he, he approached God and he spoke. Hallelujah. Do, do you get what is happening? Come up boldly. Come up boldly. Glory to God. Come up boldly. So say, I'm coming up boldly. Hallelujah. You come up boldly. So there's an expectation. You are not intimidated by God. You are not afraid of Him. You stand as a loving Father. He's a loving Father. That's why Jesus said that, except you receive the kingdom as a child. Because when a child is coming to the Father's presence, doesn't care that the child is angry, the Father is angry, the Father is not eating, whatever. That child believes that they have the right to breach the Father's personal space anytime they want. Do you realize what is happening here? That's how God expects us to come up boldly. Glory to God. Come up boldly. Hallelujah. So all that we are asked, we are required, we want to we are required to have is what understanding. Understanding is so important. Amen. Understanding. And that understanding comes by the word. When the word of God comes to you, illumination comes. And then you have understanding. Glory to God. Knowledge. Knowledge. Okay? That your faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing. He said you have faith already, but it will become effective when you acknowledge that, oh, this good thing is in me. I'm not the guy trying to become excellent. Excellence is part of my nature. So I'm now going to bring it forth. Hallelujah. I'm not the one begging God to help me in this exam. In my family, we don't fail exams. So when I show up here, everything has to line up to conform to my nature that I have come with. Do you get what is happening? So it's telling you something. There's a different dynamics at play. So when you come there, you are not the beggar. You're not the one who is begging. And, and, and just to give you an idea, have you ever seen a beggar that somebody gave him $1 million before? No, 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 no. no. What about Elon Musk? He doesn't beg anybody. His company has not been doing that well, but people are always pumping money into it. Do you realize, do you, true or false? Yes. What about Uber? It has not really become profitable. But when they run the IPO, billions of dollars, they're able to raise that. Why? But they didn't say, oh, please, if you don't give us, give us money, we'll go out of business. Oh, please help us. Is that what they did? Are you flowing with me? You see the difference? The difference in dynamics. Okay? They didn't, they didn't say that. They didn't come and say, please, please help us. No. That is not the language of the child of God. Begging is not the language of the child of God. I want you to understand this. Say it with me. Say, begging is not the language of the child of God. The father doesn't expect you to come begging. Okay? The God, the father, does not expect any of his children to come begging. It, it doesn't please the father that... You may think you are being humble, but it doesn't impress the father. And you are not going to get that thing because you are begging. You need to understand this. Begging doesn't get the job done. It is you coming in the way that you are supposed to come. 
Even though I said that you don't need faith because faith has already been dealt to you, unbelief can nullify whatever it is. So, you see, it's the other way around. You are flowing in faith until you use unbelief to nullify it. So the default mode of the child of God is answered prayer. Yeah? Default mode is answered prayer. Are you with me? That is your default mode. Getting answers to prayer is not, it should not be a miracle. Do you get me? Because when you, what, what do I mean? Like, there are some things that have been programmed to function in a certain way. They've been programmed. So that is how it's supposed to be. How many times do you find a farmer who goes and says, Hey, can you imagine what you have for my land? Corn. I have 10 acres of corn. And then they say, But what do you plant? And he says, Corn. You would think that farmer, farmer is crazy, right? Because if he planted corn, corn must grow. Are you with me? If he came and there were mangoes, mango trees on the land, and he did not plant mangoes, but he planted tomatoes or corn, then that's a problem. Because that is what he planted. There's a natural law at work. That natural law is that as a child of God, you should answer and receive access to prayer. That is the natural law. It's very important. You have to, you have, it has to become your consciousness. Because sometimes you take the position and say, we are trying to convince God to do something that he is unwilling to do. No, 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 no. It's because of religious indoctrination. And of course, if somebody has not been getting access to prayer, they are going to teach you also not to expect to get access to prayer. Do you get what I'm talking about? For example, if somebody is supposed to, you are teaching on maybe healing and all that, and you've never laid hands on anybody to be healed. Or you've never, you, you don't experience that. It will be difficult for you to actually teach the word. Of course, you can teach under the anointing. But chances are that you're not going to be teaching that subject under the anointing. You'll be telling the people that when the last apostle dies, it died, um, you know, the miracle stopped and it's been a long while. Once in a while, God, because he's sovereign, may do one or two things. Meanwhile, it's called working of miracles. Do you know what working of miracles means? How do you, you get your building and then you get an electrical engineer and he comes to wire the place and he says, okay, so now we can have electricity. He says, we hope so. The electrician says, the, he says, we hope so. How many of you like that kind of answer? The guy you have paid to wire the building, he says, we hope so. That when you turn things on, things won't blow. We hope so. Are you flowing with me? Yes. But there's a, not, there's a default mode. And we are talking about that default mode. For the Christian, is to receive answers to prayer. Hallelujah. So our expectations are going to be changing. This time, when you pray, expect answer. An answer, okay? And don't expect the religious kind of answer. Some people say that God always answers prayer. Sometimes he says yes, sometimes he says no, and sometimes he says wait a while. Then why bother to pray? Isn't that what Jesus, is that what Jesus said? Anytime, people say these things and they become like dogma. What did Jesus tell the Pharisees? He said that by your traditions, you have made the word of God without effect because of your traditions. Did Jesus say that when you, whatever things you decide when you pray, believe that you receive, and sometimes you get yes, sometimes you get no, and sometimes you get with a while. Is that in the Bible? So where do people get these things from? I'm trying to get you out of that realm, okay? Into a place where you are just a powerhouse happening everywhere. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. That when, you, when they call you to pray, they say, please don't call her. <laughs> She's going to change things here. Hallelujah. Because there has to be an expectation of the Bible says the expectation of the righteous shall not be cut off. Hallelujah. There's an expectation that you have. 
Glory to God. So, again, Jesus didn't say that whatever you desire, if that is what I also desire, to come to pass. That's also not in the Bible. He said, whatever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive and you will have. It's always you, 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 you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. And the people, if, if you have the right understanding, you get results. Praise the Lord. You get results. Sometimes, maybe um, you have to bring forth arguments. There are different kinds of prayer. That's what we call the prayer of faith. That's what will save the sick. James, okay, James 5 from verse 14 says that, Is any afflicted among you, let him pray. Is any merry, let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him. Anoint him with oil in the name of the, uh, of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up, right? And if he had committed sins, he shall be forgiven him. What is he talking about? He says that the prayer of faith is what will save the sick. Sometimes people are sick, and people are praying some kinds of prayers over them. And it's not the prayer of faith. The prayer of faith is what will save the sick. And then people tack, they tack something on to this prayer. They tack it on. And what do they tack on? If it be thy will. He said, that's how Jesus prayed. At least read the Bible. <laughs> how many times did Jesus pray, if it be thy will? How many times? How many times did Jesus pray, if it be thy will? You don't know. One time, one time, one time. And when was that? When it came to separation from the Father. When he got to the tomb of Lazarus, did he pray if it be thy will? What about when he got to the widow of nine whose son had died? Did he pray if it be thy will? What about when Peter's mother-in-law was sick of a high fever? Did he pray if it be thy will? What about when he multiplied the five loaves of bread and the two fishes? Did he pray if it be thy will? Why? Because the will of God has been clearly told us in the Bible. God has written his will down. Do you see the problem? He has written his will. So you come in there and saying that Jesus said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Somebody is sick. What is the will of the Father? It says that for this reason, the Son of Man came that he might destroy the works of the devil. Who is the guy afflicting the person? It's the devil. Who is the one trying to get him whole? It is Jesus. So when you come in, in that kind of, you are praying, because sometimes you, you, you have to understand the position that you are coming from. That God is working with you. The Bible says we are workers together with him. We are not trying to convince him to work with us. You are not better than he is. You don't mean better than God does. Do you get what I'm talking about? You are not the one who you want the guy well and God wants him sick. No. God is the one we are working with. So when you stand in the name of Jesus, you have to understand what God's will is in this matter. God's will is that none will perish. That's his will. Hallelujah. So then you, 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 your position has changed. When you stand there like this, Father, I thank you that I'm here. It's like the child I met. I told you. I've told this story many times. And then I was still in, in school and I'd gone to, with a friend to visit somebody um, who was on admission. So while we're there, I, I sensed my spirit, lift up your eyes. So I lifted up my eyes. I saw that girl. She was about 13. She was on oxygen. Her neck was distended with fluid and everything. So I, I, I was going to witness to her. The moment I began to move, she began to gasp for air. And I'd seen a few people die and I knew that was what was happening. So it was like something took a hold of me and I ran towards her and I said, you cannot be breathless because I am here. 
And I said, because I am here, Jesus is here. You cannot be breathless. There was no, if it be thy will, does God want her well, whatever it is. I said, I am here, so you can't be breathless. You understand what the will of the Father is. Glory to God. So the moment you understand what the will of the Father is, prayer takes on a different dimension altogether. Hallelujah. So then you come boldly, not with timidity, not with fear. Not, we are nothing before you. Don't be saying such things. How many of you as a parent would like your child to come, judge yourself from school, or a coffee, or my niece here come from school? And then they come, and then they say, Mommy, I'm nothing before you. I am not even worthy that you should give me food. And that's your child talking. How many parents, responsible parents, say, Oh, my child is very hungry. My child is very hungry. You should listen to my child talking. Would you think that is normal? So why do you think that the father thinks that is very humble when you come and say, I am nothing before you? When you say that, okay, when you say that, this father that God so loved that he gave, he gave his son so that he would have other sons like him. Can you imagine Jesus telling the father that I am nothing before you? Can you imagine that? That Jesus is standing before his father and says, Father, I am nothing before you. He said, I know that you hear me always. That's, what, that's, that's the, the language, right? He said, I know that you hear me always. And I know you hear me always, but I'm saying for the sake of this unbeliever standing around here. But I know that you hear me always. Did you see that, that the communication? He said, glorify me with the glory that I had with you before the foundation of the world. He said, glorify me. He's talking to the Father. Nothing like, you know, I'm nothing. I, like, I don't really deserve this. No, there was no such thing. Then he tells the disciples, he said, cheer up little children. It's your Father's will to give you the, the kingdom. Cheer up. He said, it's your Father's will to give. The Father's desire to give you the kingdom. So that's the kind of language he expects of us. Glory to God. So that changes, it alters your prayer language. One minister, you know, one of those great revivalists, whether it was Spurgeon or Moody or whatever, he said that, or Finney, he said, he, he said, I had experiences with God in prayer that alarmed me. He said sometimes he would find himself, he's gone into a city and he'll be telling God, he said, Lord, you don't think we are not going to have a revival here, do you? Like, do, do you get what is happening here? He said, do you, he said you don't think we are, we are not going to have a revival here, do you? He said, you don't think so. Because I know we are going to have a revival here. Hallelujah. And you will get it. Glory to God. Because he knows that he's standing with the Father. The Bible says we are workers together with him. Together, we are working with him, not against him or trying to get him to work with us. We are workers together with him. Glory to God. So, Jesus was the expression of the Father's will. So, if you are baffled about whether it is the Father's will to heal somebody, make somebody whole or whatever, if you are baffled by any such thing, look at Jesus. The same way Jesus responded to sickness. That is the Father's response. That's why he told Philip that if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. That's all. Praise the Lord. Look at the, le- the leper. The leper came to Jesus and said, Master, he said, if you will, you can make me clean. And then Jesus said, sometimes yes, sometimes no. Sometimes, is that not what Jesus told him? He said, I will be cleansed. Immediately, he stretched forth his hand and touched him and said, I will be cleansed. Is that not so? Now, for you, 
that, that leper didn't have a Bible to read. Do you know that? That leper did not have a Bible to read. The New Testament, Old Testament had not been written. He didn't have the Bible to read. Maybe he couldn't even read. But for you, 21st century believer, thank God you are literate and you can read and write. For you to now come and say, if it be your will, then something is wrong with you. Because the will is settled. If you read that, you'll understand. The Bible says Jesus Christ the same. You see, the Bible talks about rightly dividing the word of God. You know what rightly dividing means? He says that, he said, I will be cleansed. And then now, he says Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. So, I will be cleansed. I will be cleansed. I will be cleansed. That word will never change. Hallelujah. Yes. So, he's the same. So, you want to see how he responds to these things? Look at how he responded in the Bible. That's all. It tells you this. Glory to God. So, when you come, okay, move from, you don't know. Somebody said, you never know what God will do. Have you heard that statement before? Maybe you all said it before. You never know what God will do. If you don't know what God will do, why don't you try and find out what God will do? Because he has told us what he will do. It's in the Bible. Hallelujah. It's in the book. It's called the Bible. Holy Bible. Amen. And you, in it, you will find what God will do. It's amazing some of the prayers that we find in the, even in the Old Testament. Some of those kings were very bad. Okay? Israelite kings, like kings of Israel, were very bad. But let an enemy come against them. They will go to God. He said, God, are you not the one who gave this land to your, 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 your friend Abraham? And then you, you swore it over to David by a covenant of salt. They didn't put themselves in the equation. Did he? Because he knows that he's, he's a bad guy. Do you get it? So he says that, hey, I'm just here. It was, you gave it to Abraham and, and you, you, you bequeathed it to David, but they are coming to take it and we are just staying in here. They are coming to take it from us. And God would go and defend them against their enemies. Look, even these Old Testament wicked kings had the sense that, look, it's not about you. In the New Testament, it's not about you. It's about what Jesus has done. You have to understand it. That is what gives you the right to receive answers to your prayer. Mm-hmm. It's not because you've been good or you've been bad. It's because Jesus is good. And Jesus has sacrificed himself in your place. Do you know that the Old Testament priests, they had the, 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 the offering that if somebody had transgressed, the person was supposed to bring that offering. And anytime they brought the lamb, there were some characteristics of the lamb. The lamb should be spotless. It shouldn't be a sickly lamb. It shouldn't have a running nose or anything. The lamb should not have warts on it. The lamb should be clean. What did the priest do? Did the priest inspect the people or he inspected the lamb? He inspected the lamb, isn't it? Why didn't he inspect the people? Because the guy has come. He's wrong. That's why he's, he's come. Okay? So no, no use inspecting the chap. Inspect the lamb. If the lamb is holy, the guy is accepted. In the New Testament, the father doesn't look at you. He looks at Jesus. Once his sacrifice is accepted, the Bible says, you've been made accepted in the beloved. You need to understand that. Accepted in the beloved. Hallelujah. Accepted in the beloved. So when you stand praying, don't count on your own good deeds. There are two forms of self-righteousness. One is to believe that you are so good. Okay? So God should actually reward you by answering whatever it is. The other is to believe that you are so bad. Both of them are self-righteousness because they are looking at the self. Where is this in the equation? You are not supposed to be looking at yourself. Look at Jesus. 
That's why I say looking unto Jesus. The word is looking away unto Jesus. Looking away unto Jesus. What does it mean by looking away unto Jesus? It says looking away from yourself. Looking away from the circumstances and looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of faith. Hallelujah. So you look to him and he is the one that gives you right standing. That's why he could tell, he told the disciples, he didn't say it would be very good. He didn't say if you haven't done anything wrong. He said that in that day, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Hallelujah. Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Last week we talked about desire. It's important. Hallelujah. Number two, we're talking about knowledge. Okay? Don't try to get faith from here and there. That's how come some people cannot. Look, one of the things by the grace of God I try to build in you is the ability to pray for yourself. Okay? So that you can pray. You can stand in line and pray. You can rebuke the devil at will. Amen. Amen. So that you're not dependent on another person. Okay? Imagine if we are supposed to be like Jesus, then we cannot be people like um, on, on, on feeding on milk all the time. Do you get what is happening? He, he expects that you will be a responsible adult in the, in the kingdom. Where, when there's a problem somewhere, you are the one bringing solutions. The authority to pray and get results is not reserved for a few people, pastors or prophets or whatever. It's, it's for every child of God. Hallelujah. Every child of God. So once you are, are you a child of God? If you are a child of God, then expect that when you pray, you will have answers to prayer. Hallelujah. When you pray, you will have answers. You pray, you will have answers. So, you, you know, when, what, what do you think? What do you think will happen to your, like, excitement about prayer when you know that I'm going to get some results today? You'll be excited. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Why is that when you call prayer? You won't come at the end of it. Because you don't expect it. You don't think they're going to get anything done during the So, they want to come when they are laying hands on people. They, won't, they don't want to come and pray, but they don't come and, when they are laying hands on people. But when you understand that, wow, I can get a lot done by praying, you will be excited about coming to prayers. Hallelujah. Glory to God. This, this makes a big difference. Amen. Amen. Yes. Some people also say, this, get this thought also out of your head. They say, you know, as for God, you cannot get him to do anything. No. You can't, like, say he will do whatever he wants to do. Then why do we have to pray? Now think about this. If, if God will do whatever he wants to do, why do I have to pray? Like, what kind of camp is it? Like, if he will do whatever he wants to do, why do I have to pray? No, 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 no. That's why I remember Jacob. The Bible says that he saw angels. He saw the ladder. Angels ascending and descending. First, they ascended and then they descended. They took the prayer up before they brought the results. If nothing goes up, nothing comes down. Do you get it? Whatever happens is a result of what you have prayed. Amen. He said, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Where is it bound first? Here. Because in heaven there's nothing that, there's no evil. In God's presence, there's no devil there. You know that? There's no, no problem, no sickness, nothing. It is on this earth that we want. We want God's interventions. And I told you that no spirit being has the right to be roaming around here, means be doing anything unless man authorizes him or invites him. Hallelujah. So when you get that understanding, you realize that that's what Jesus said, men ought always to pray. What do you want in your neighborhood? Okay? Which is like drug addicts are trying to take over your hood. What, are you, what do you want about? What do you want done about it? 
What do you want? What do you want to do about it? Do you remember when we used to meet at the uh, one of the venues? I'm not going to mention this, but I'm recording the message. I don't want. So you remember there was a nightclub right next to the place, right? What did we do to the nightclub? We closed it down. We closed it down. Do you remember? It was a huge nightclub. Yeah. We close it down. Every time we will close from the meeting, we will speak. We will say we will shut it down. We shut it down. For years, it wasn't used. Now it's been turned into a shopping center. Do you remember? Yes. So you can be there, but you don't take authority. So the thing is happening. It's happening. And people are dealing drugs. They are selling this and that in your neighborhood. But you are there. You are there representing us. You are representing the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Yeah. Or you'll be there and you'll come and open the religious center right behind the window. Blowing the trumpet, the, the call. What is it? Did you ring a bell or what, what, what is it? However they do the thing. Yeah. If you are there and you don't stamp your authority, you'll be outside the window. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Use your authority. Hallelujah. Use your authority. And I said that don't be intimidated by God. He's your father. Amen. That's why I go to, I talk about Jesus is coming and they are scared. I said, why are you scared? He's coming because of me. He's, we are the reason why he's coming. Amen. He's coming for us. So you need to understand that. He's coming for us. So you should look forward to his coming. Not be threatened by it. Look at the way he said it. He told Peter, James, and John, he said, be careful. No. He said, no, I'm going to prepare a place and I'll come and receive it to myself. Hallelujah. There's a man, there was a way. There's a way. And then Paul will talk about this, the second coming of the finally go like because of these things, encourage one another. Now, if the coming is going to be trouble for you, you come to the encouragement I tell you about this. <laughs> 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 Be scared because Jesus is coming. But when you know that the coming is for your good, it's for my good. Yeah. We are looking forward to his coming because we love him. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I'm very excited. Sometimes I say, Lord, come. Sometimes you go like, you're good. Sometimes you say, you should wait. Sometimes you say, come, come, come. Hallelujah. But it's never out of fear. Praise the Lord. You are never afraid of his coming. Are you afraid of his coming? Absolutely not. Then that trumpet sounds. We are out of here. Glory to God. Glory to God. So, when you come, I want you to pray and get results. Hallelujah. We are going to pray briefly. Okay? Three minutes or five minutes, we are going to pray about something. Okay? Something is on your heart. You, you want to pray and get results. This time, you are, you are not trying to get God to change his mind. You are, not, you are not trying to get God. You are not trying to convince God. You are praying because you know he's standing with you. Huh? Are you with me? So, now you are going to pray. You're going to pray expecting to get results now. And he says, when you pray, believe. When do you believe when you pray? Believe that you receive now. When do you believe that you receive? When you pray. We are praying and hoping. It's not in the Bible. Have you noticed? It's another cliche. Praying and hoping. So we are just praying and hoping. You might as well forget it. Don't even waste your time. Because Jesus didn't say when you pray, hope. He said when you pray, do what? Believe. Do you see the difference? Praying and hoping means we are praying and we are hoping that our prayer will work. 
it has come to an end. Today when you pray, you believe. Hallelujah. And you receive now. Glory to God. You're going to pray and you're going to receive now. Amen. So, you're going to pray and believe and receive now. Now. Right now. Say right now. Right now. Is there something you want to pray about? I want you to pray about it. I want you to talk to the Father. Let's talk to him. Tell him about what you want. The things you want to see. Maybe in your family, maybe in your body, whatever. I want you to pray now. Something. Believe and receive. Pray and receive. 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 Receive now. 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 He said, ask and receive, and your, let your joy will be full. Your joy will be full. Ask and receive. Ask and receive. Your joy will be full. Ask and receive, and your joy will be full. Ask and receive, and your joy will be full. Ask and receive, and your joy will be full. Ask and receive, and your joy will be full.